sermon might be a little shorter today, but I want to, uh, Jesus told a little story, so we're going to get into it. To start, let's, I want you to imagine with me that um, you have been given, let's say, let's say five acres of land to make a garden. You've been given this property here is it's like four acres. I don't know how big farms were in ancient time. That was basically their entire life was a piece of land, and they did stuff. They raised produce. They raised vegetables on that little piece of land. But just say it's the size of this property. You've been given it to do with whatever you want. <clears throat> you, can, you can let it grow up in weeds, you can ignore it, and it'll get covered, and it'll just become a scrub. It just becomes scrubland. Or you could take the time, and you could work on that piece of ground. You can cut down thorns. You can... How many ever picked up rocks out of a field? Oh, look around. <laughs> All right. We, we, uh, we come from an agricultural background. Picking up rocks isn't like the funnest thing you ever did. You can do that. You can break up the ground, right? You can plow it up. And you can plant whatever you want. You can plant vegetables. You can plant fruit trees. You can make that five acres of ground feed not only yourself, but it could feed a hundred other people. Maybe, maybe a lot more than that. <clears throat> You imagining that? Or you can let it go and let it go into scrub. So, it's not imagination, it's actually real. You have been given that. All except the land you've been given, that garden, is your heart. It's your spiritual life. Each one of us has that. And um, Jesus told a story. In Matthew 13, you can turn there if you want. We're going to read the parable of the sower. And a lot of times we use this to illustrate how um, maybe the gospel is presented to people for salvation. You can use it a lot of different ways. It's talking about the word of God. But what I want you to get today is you and I, you're responsible for your garden. You're the one that's responsible for your own spiritual walk, your own spiritual condition. It's on you. There comes a time when your parents are no longer responsible. I remember when my father told me, he said, Nelson, you're the age where you can choose how you want to live. You, you decide what you want your life to look like. I can, I'm not going to spank you. You know, It's up to you. The world's in front of you, but choose wisely. And that's what your life will become. You become an age when they're not responsible. Your pastor, he's, you know, hopefully he's a good influence, right? He's supposed to watch out for your soul, but he's not responsible. You are. You're the one that's responsible. Other people can make your life miserable. They can make it a lot harder. But it's not their fault if your garden's a mess. Is that, is that true? Anybody, I'm looking around at some of the older guys <laughs> to see if I'm, what I'm saying is, is right. 
So Jesus told this story uh, about soil or the parable of the sower, and it's, it's really about different soil types. And uh, as we read it, I, I don't want you to see it as maybe like a sentence, you know, you got a hard heart. If you see yourself in the story, don't see it as a sentence, see it as a, as a diagnosis, and a diagnosis can change, right? If you see something in your life that you don't like, it's there, you can change. You can pick rocks, right? You can cut down thorns. You can plow up ground. The Bible, there's uh, several times where it says, break up the fallow ground. Fallow ground is land that's unused, land that's just been left go to scrub. The Bible says, it's on you. Plow it up. One of the ways you do that is with Holy Spirit. But um, I want to, let's just talk for a second about a seed. You know, nothing happens without a seed. Nothing ever grows without a seed. Nothing. You need, you need the seed. And a, a seed carries the instruction. A tiny seed has all, has all this written instruction inside of it. It can lie dormant for thousands of years. And I remember seeing a picture of a plant, they had found a squirrel's nest in a pyramid somewhere. I guess the seeds were just mummified. But they actually got them out, planted the seeds. They got them in the right, right environment, and it grew some kind of tree, something that they'd never seen before. Like, it was like, what's that? I remember seeing a picture of it. So something can lay dormant, get it in the right environment, and it'll produce life. So um, let's go to Matthew 13. It's a decent amount of reading. I'm going to start Matthew 13, verse 3. Then we're going to jump to 18. This is Jesus. He had just gotten in a boat because there's so many people around him. And he's sitting in the boat teaching the people on shore. And he says, he spoke many things to them in parables saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. As he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they didn't have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But other seeds fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And it just basically means if you're, if you're, if you're hearing this, find understanding for it. So the disciples came back to Jesus and they asked him, uh, you know, what, what does the parable mean? And so Jesus says to them, verse 16, Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For assuredly, I say to you, that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. If anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. But he who receives the seed on stony places 
This is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles or withers. Now he who receives seed among the thorns, this is he who hears the word, and the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. So let's go back to uh, verse 19. This is talking about the wayside. Wayside is the path. Wayside is hard ground. Wayside seed, which it's talking here about the word of God, is seed that gets thrown onto hard ground and it says it can't penetrate the earth. It'll lay right there on the surface and if it lays there long enough, it says the enemy will come and snatch it away. The key to understand this is if you, um, literally in verse 19, it says, does not understand it. And what that's talking about, it's, it's talking about understanding by experience. Understanding by experiencing it. Like with your five senses. So if you take, just take Pastor Penn's sermon from last week. I'm not going to ask you, you to raise your hand how many of you remember what he spoke about. But let's take that. So he spoke about meditation, right? Spiritual meditation, meditating on the word of God. If you won't put that into practice, I'm talking about a sermon. We're talking about anything that's breathed on by the word of God, breathed on by God, right? If you won't put that into practice in your life and experience it, I don't know what the time frame is, but there's a time frame, say, say a week. If there's no time that you'll, Find a verse, and you'll say, Lord, I don't know everything it's meaning. Open up your word to me. And, and you, you meditate on his word. You roll it over in your mind. You think on it. You make a movie with it. That, isn't that what Pastor Penn teaches us? Make a movie. If you do that, you actually experience spiritual meditation, what he's talking about, right? What he taught about. You experience it. That is the seed penetrating your heart. Okay? Once it goes into your heart, the instruction that's written on that seed gets transferred to your heart. Now it's becoming something that's going to produce fruit in your life. Does that make sense? If you don't do it, if you do what Pastor Penn say, you burp and you leave the meeting... And that's the last time you think of it. That seed will lay, that seed, you, you heard the same sermon that the person beside you did, but it, it's laying there and a couple of days go by and nothing has happened with it in your life. And, and I, I can't remember. It, it's, it's gone. I, I don't know. And it had zero impact on your life, right? It's gone. It was a seed from the word of God that got tossed on your heart, and if I don't take the time to do something to receive that seed into my heart, to understand it, to experience it, am I making sense? <laughs> I feel like I'm repeating myself. If it'll go into my heart, 
all of a sudden you got all kinds of good stuff growing. Right? Good bacteria. <laughs> good stuff growing inside because I've allowed the seed to be experienced and now it's written on my heart. That's the first one. Hard ground. That's wayside. Let's go to the next one. Stony ground. But he who receives a seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word, and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while, for when tribulation or persecution arises, because of the word, immediately he stumbles. And um, what, I, what I want to bring out here is verse 21. Look at the first line. This is a person who has no root in himself. You know what I take this to mean? It's somebody who basically believes something because of what somebody else believes, because of what somebody else has said. It's not their own experience. They're living on somebody else's experience. They've never made whatever it is, they've never made it their own. It kind of ties into what I just talked about. So it says, there's no root system there to support any kind of thing. As soon as some kind of adversity comes up, as soon as some kind of tribulation or persecution comes along, boom, done. I grew up with some chores, and there's nothing that'll teach you responsibility like going out in a cold morning and milking a cow by hand into a bucket. How many of you have done that? <laughs> Raise your hands. Oh, come on, more than that. Eric? Phil? Okay. <laughs> I thought more of you would have experienced that. It's a wonderful experience. One time. After that, anyway, my job was to go milk the cow in a bucket, bring that milk in. We had two calves we were raising. And some of you might have heard me tell this story. You need to hear it again if it did. Um, these two calves, we'd bottle feed them. We're trying to wean them. We'd bottle feed them. And then we'd put grain in for him to eat. And, um, you know, they drink the little bit of milk that's in the bottle, and then hopefully they start eating the grain because we're trying to get them off the bottle. And the, uh, the two calves, uh, the one, he would, he would drink his bottle, and he'd go right to eating grain. He'd love that. The other one, a little slower, he'd finish his bottle, and uh, he'd look over and see the grain. But before the grain, he saw an ear of the other calf, and that looked even better. So he would spend his whole time sucking on the ear of the calf that was eating grain. Yeah, we'd swat him, try to get him away, but it's what his heart desired, and he would suck on that ear. And it didn't take a whole lot of time before you saw a really remarkable difference in the two calves. One was husky, strong, you know, putting on weight, and the other was just a He's just a, yeah, wasn't, doesn't look the same way. I don't know what to call him, scrawny? Yeah. And um, there's one thing that will reveal what you've been feeding on, right? What you've been listening to. And that's adversity. That's persecution. That's, that's something that's outside of your control that comes against your world. And it'll reveal what you've been eating. Have you been eating grain or have you been sucking on somebody's ear i'm not trying to call my sermon an ear but 
you, you need more to live on than just what somebody else has eaten and is, you know, given back. So you've, you've got to, if you're going to grow spiritually, if you're going to get the word of God into your heart and be, become strong, you've got to have more than just hearing somebody's sermons. You've got to get in the word and make it your own. You've got to feed on the word yourself. And, I mean, isn't it Paul that says, those who live godly will suffer persecution? I mean, it kind of sounds like a promise to me. Maybe not, a, you know, something you want to hear. But there's things that are inside of every single person here. Every person that you'll never get to walk in the fullness of unless you face resistance. Not saying that all that resistance is from God every time, but we were just singing it this morning. God becomes so good at whatever comes against your life, anything that's thrown against you. He's been doing it for thousands of years. He'll, he'll flip the script, and if you'll walk with him and make him Lord of your life, he will use that to create strength inside of you that turns around and somehow helps someone else's life. He does it again and again and again, and it's his promise that if you love him, He'll turn those things that are meant for evil into good. Joseph. In Psalm 105, it talks about Joseph, Joseph's story in Egypt. And there's, there's a couple verses. It's um, verse 19 of Psalm 105. It says that until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. That's saying the dreams that Joseph had, the dreams that he had were actually from God. They weren't him trying to be proud. They were actually God-given dream. But what the destiny that Joseph was supposed to walk in, that it required a time of testing, a time of character development. And everything that got thrown against Joseph's life was a time of testing. It was creating strength in him. That when Joseph got to where he was, he wouldn't fall. He wouldn't crash and burn. He'd live a full life serving the Lord where he was. Resistance is good. It really is. You guys know about... I got all these farm stories. Little chicken, I've, I've watched them. Little chickens breaking out of their eggs. And you long to help them. I've, I've, I've always just heard this. You're never supposed to break them out of the shell. Because if you break them out of the shell, they don't develop the strength they need to like live, to walk around. So you never break them out. Sometimes we need resistance. Sometimes we have to push against things. There's a young guy I was trying to mentor, and this is, this is one thing that I took away from that situation. Um, he gave his life to the Lord because he liked a girl and he thought that would give him a better chance. So that's a bad start to start with. But anyway, he's coming to church and um, every bad thing he would go through, he'd say, God doesn't like me. I'm going to quit. I'm going to give up. I would always try to, try to cushion every single bump in life, right? So if he, if, he's, if he needed money, I'd give him money. If, 
you know, because I wanted to keep him walking with the Lord. Hey, if his car broke down, I'd, I'd get a mechanic. I'd find a mechanic. I got him a car. I got him a job. I, I just do everything for him to try to make his life easy. I put pillows all around him. And he's continually never going to the Lord in crisis. Never going there. Tests have a purpose, right? Tests have a purpose. And they're supposed to... Um, every test defines kind of between genuine and fake. Genuine and fake. Here's the truth. Some people will give up. Some people give up. And it's exhausting just trying to shelter somebody's life. I realize I'm not doing anybody any favors. I'm not making him grow. I'm sheltering him. Resistance is good. Sometimes you got to fight. Judges, Judges 3 has a story about the children of Israel. You might have heard this one already. The children of Israel go into the promised land and God says, I won't kick all your enemies out. He says, they're not, they're not all going to go out at one time. The land had become too much for you. You wouldn't be able to handle it. And then he goes on to give the reason why. Why would God want enemies in the land? And he says, I want your children that don't know how to fight. I want them to learn how to fight. I want them to learn how to do war. And I'm doing it to test you to see if you'll continue to follow me or if you'll start to follow their gods. Those were the purposes that they had enemies left in the land. Sometimes you will have to fight. You will. The only way to your victory is through a battle. And you might have to. And so I, I think if you know this, it should cause you to feel less, less bad about having battles. Less bad about having Things that you're fighting with, that you're struggling. Seems like life is a continual struggle in this area. Maybe Jesus wants to teach you how to fight so you can turn around and use those same experiences to bring others into freedom. Let's go to the next one. Verse 22. Now he who receives seed among the thorns... Is he who, I'm texting when to bring the kids over. <laughs> Among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. Phil, would you let the, them know 10 minutes? the kids and he becomes unfruitful you guys still with me listen I'm going to read this out of the passion translation the seeds which fall into the weeds or the thorny ground represents the heart of those who hear the word but its growth is quickly choked off by its own anxious cares and the riches of this world and the fleeting pleasures of this life. This is why they never become mature and fruitful. And here's what I want you to uh, take away from this is 
I think this is actually the most treacherous condition of all of them. Why? Because the seed that's inside of your heart, whatever it is, your purpose, this, the plant is there. It's just not able to mature. It's not able to come into its purpose. It's not able to bear fruit, right? But it's still there. How's that look? I, um, I had a lawnmower that started running rough. And it would run. I could start it. It would run. But as soon as I started mowing grass, as soon as I mowed in the grass, it would die. It wasn't getting the gas that it needed. It couldn't, it couldn't fulfill its purpose, right? Jesus says, there are things that'll suck the life out of you. You can allow cares of the world. That's not all bad stuff. You can allow things to suck the life out of your spiritual walk. He says the deceitfulness of riches, it'll suck the life away from you. You're the one that has to be aware of that. So you're alive, you're living, but you're just not maturing. The word choke means strangle. The life is slowly being strangled away. There's three things Jesus said. They'll sidetrack you. They'll take away your purpose. They'll sidetrack you from your purpose. You won't be able to produce fruit. You won't be able to live the long term. Then he says, Then he says, verse 23, about the good ground. Did I already read this verse? Verse 23. But he who receives the seed on good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundred, some sixty, and some thirty. Let me read it in another translation. But the seed which fell into good fertile soil represents those lovers of truth who hear it deep in their hearts. They respond by clinging to the word, keeping it dear to them as they endure all things in faith. As they endure all things in faith. This is the seed that will one day bear much fruit in their lives. Some a hundred times as much, some 60 and some 30. I don't want to overcomplicate this because Jesus didn't make it sound very complicated. What does good ground look like? What does it look like for you to have good soil in your heart? It just means you hear and you do. James talks about not only being hearers of the word, but also doers. So when the Lord speaks to your heart in any way, whether it's a sermon, whether it's just something, uh, something that comes up in a conversation with somebody else, anything that's breathed on your heart by God represents seed that has potential to bear huge fruit in your life. Huge fruit. But he says you got you to gotta hear it and do it.
Somebody that's teachable. Somebody that has good ground is somebody that's teachable, right? Are you, are you a teachable person or you feel like you've got this? You got it all figured out. I remember I had a guy tell me, yeah, I know that's what the Bible says. I'm just, I'm not ready to live that. I'm a Christian. <laughs> I know that's what the Bible says, but I'm not giving that area of my life to the Lord. Actual words, pretty close. Well, that ground ain't going to produce. And some weeds will grow up. If you're like me, I see there's places in my life that have maybe each one of these, right? It's not like my entire life is good ground. No, there's, there's some areas where I know the ground's hard. I know there's, there's not a whole lot of roots in that area of my life. There's some stones I got to pick, and that's hard. Or there's places where I'm really distracted and I'm allowing that to suck the life away from me. All you got to do is be honest. When, when Holy Spirit reveals that to you and he says, this is an area of your life that's not bearing fruit and I want it to bear fruit. What does bearing fruit look like? Ask the Lord. What does it look like to bear fruit in your life? One of the things is if you're, if you're going through something, if you walk with the Lord to a place of victory, if you can be the one that will help other people get to that same place of victory, that's fruit producing of the same kind. The things you've experienced, if you experience the fruit of the Spirit in your life, that's fruit. Why don't you meditate on that? Ask yourself that this afternoon or sometime this week. What does it look like to bear fruit in my life? What is the fruit that God wants to see come out of my life? So, can we just have a quick prayer? Why don't you close your eyes and just um, ask the Lord right now. Say, Lord, if there's, if there's places that I need to work the soil up in my own heart so that it's able to receive your word, so that I'm able to change. If there's stones I've got to pick, if you want me to put down roots in something, if there's places that I need to cut off cares and distractions, you reveal it. Lord, it's, it's our desire to be fruitful, to bear much fruit for your kingdom.